Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those of you who identify as neither, welcome back to another illustrious episode of Tales of Taboo. For those of you who are new here, although I'm not sure why you choose this episode to be new here, my name is Allie Weiss. I am a downtown New York Z-list writer, performer, and uh, new way of investigative journalist. Let's call it that because I'm not really a journalist. I'm not really qualified, but you know what I am? Insatiably curious. And I am obsessed with all people places, ideas, and experiences that society tells us not to talk about. Society tells us are bad or wrong or dirty. It's like any topic that would make your conservative aunt clutch her pearls. That's what I like to say. That's what we do here. And if this sounds at all appealing to you, you have come to the right place. So usually how this show works is I will put out a casting call and my listeners and their friends and their friends of friends will submit anonymous stories about a particular life experience. But every once in a while, your girl wants to have the mic all to herself and ride solo. And that is what we are doing today. Um, Before we get started, There's this big thing in downtown New York right now called pizzazz, P-Z-A-Z. It's this aggressive neon yellow tube of flavored breath spray. Some of you may have seen it on Instagram or on TikTok or like out on the streets in your local bodega. And this spray is filled with caffeine and um, like L-theanine and all of this stuff that's supposed to make you like hyper and alert and ready to fuck the day. And it's basically marketed as a replacement for five-hour energy, which is obviously disgusting, or too much coffee, which is also disgusting. And I'm not saying that flavored breath spray from a neon tube isn't disgusting, but it's definitely a lot more exciting and all of the hot little Gen Zers in Dime Square are obsessed with it and are walking around in all these little booty shorts with like their the bottom half of their ass is hanging out and uh, the shorts say pizzazz. So I decided that today I have no choice but to try it on air. <laughs> and honestly, someone with ADD and anxiety, which we're going to talk about today, probably should not be taking this, but I also proudly self-identify as a psycho. And despite having a lot of self-respect, I also have zero boundaries. So no time like the present. Let's fucking do it. Okay. The serving is five miss it says this is the peach flavored one is it under the tongue i uh, probably under the tongue oh huh. i don't know if it's coming out mm. okay i'll fire Woo! <laughs> okay let's wait <clears throat> and see what happens with that Um, The tube also says vegan, no sugar, no gluten, plastic negative certified. Oh, environmental offset Gen Z loves that. Um, Five cents a spray. I can't do math. I'm not going to try to factor what that is in for you. Um, But it's cheap. It's cheap, y'all. 
And hopefully we'll give it 15 minutes and I'll be zazzed to the fuck up, which is necessary because as you can hear, I sound like a man today. I thought I had COVID for the fourth time. I do not have COVID. I took a rapid and a PCR, God bless. If I had COVID for the fourth fourth time, I think I would need to write to a medical journal and demand that they take me in and do a case study on me. I just have a cold or allergies or something uh, of the sort that is just, you know, maybe it's just God's way of humbling me and saying, you know, you've been feeling yourself a little bit too much lately. Let's bring it down a notch, except I have not been feeling myself lately. And that's why I'm hitting the mic solo today. Um, I'm actually surprised at how much energy I have, to be honest with you, even before taking the five hits of that Zaz. Um, It's been a really, really turbulent past three weeks. And You know, when you say that you're going to talk about anxiety or when the subject of anxiety comes up, it's tough. Like, this is actually the exact reason why I decided that I wanted to rebrand from Health is Hell to Tales of Taboo, because in the pandemic and post-pandemic, mental health issues are no longer taboo. We, we're going to, you know, take it back to 2018, 2019 right now. And, and we're going to talk about wellness today and, and what the fuck wellness really means. So like I said, anybody who doesn't feel anxious in the social media era or post-pandemic is, I'm surprised to hear that because I feel like so much of the dialogue that permeates, um, you know, not only like traditional news sources, but what we're seeing all over the internet and especially Gen Zers on the topic of pizzazz, um, who are heavy TikTok users, it seems to be all about like, I'm so sad, I'm so anxious, I'm so depressed, I can't get out of my own way. You know, everybody feels anxious to some degree but not everybody has anxiety and having anxiety is a real mental illness it's a mental illness that permeates your day-to-day life it's a mental illness that gets in the way of you being able to function at full capacity to to give the world and give your life a hundred percent and It's not the kind of thing that goes away with a hot cup of tea or calling a friend on the phone and having a dish or, you know, taking a gobble of CBD as much as that can sometimes help. Anxiety is this thing when you really suffer from anxiety, when you have anxiety, when you have an anxiety disorder that sticks to your ribs, right, like a bowl of oatmeal. You know, they always say like oatmeal is a good breakfast because it sticks to your ribs. It sticks with you all day. It can carry you until lunch. That's how diagnosed anxiety feels. It's it's in your guts. It's weighing you down. Except unlike oatmeal, it is, uh, it's not filling you up. It's making you feel empty or it's filling you with feelings that don't feel nourishing or good. And for the record, y'all, I just came up with that right now. I did not make a note to self to use that analogy. Bam, I have to have at least one skill in this life. Um, and so for for the past three weeks, I, I have really been crumbling under the weight of the anxiety that I suffer from. And this happens to me every summer, like clockwork. This is going to make me sound totally deranged, more deranged than you already think I am. But I 
have reverse seasonal depression. I hate the summer. I cannot remember since I was in high school, a summer in which I have genuinely thoroughly enjoyed myself and felt relaxed and felt at ease and wanted to soak up the sun, like this concept of endless summer. You know, it, to me, like the blaze, the, the blaze, wow, the day is bleeding into one another is not a luxury. It's terrifying and it exacerbates the way that I already feel um, being somebody who suffers from ADD. And so, like clockwork, every summer at some point, I fall into this pit where for two to three weeks, I can't get out of my own way. Um, All of the things that I have worked so hard in therapy for so many years to know how to do to self-soothe and self-motivate and kind of keep myself on the straight and narrow to fulfill my responsibilities. It's not that I forget how to do those things. It's that they just feel impossible. All of the kind of ambition and motivation and strength and resilience that I pride myself on because I worked really hard to get it, those things don't come innately to me. It all falls away. In the summer of 2020, I remember falling into this pit around the time that um, BLM was happening and the protests were happening in New York City. And I think the trigger of that was just feeling like the world was crumbling around me. Um, I talked about this in various episodes I made about that experience that I think are still on my feed. you know, helicopters were swarming my building, my neighborhood was being destroyed, fires were in the street, and uh, the windows of stores were being shattered, and places were being robbed, and it was yelling and screaming and crying outside 24-7, and look, I very much aligned with a lot of the things that were happening in that movement, but I think that feeling as though I was living in a war zone um, externally kind of exacerbated how I felt internally. Um, Last summer, I felt this way in August. It was my first time living alone. I was subletting an apartment while waiting to make the official move that I made this past winter. And um, I think having all that physical and mental space, like I will never forget my parents dropped me off with all my stuff and I just stood in my apartment and like melted. Like my brain just kind of like fell out of my ears and I was like, oh my God, like what do I do? Like, I, I'm just left to my own devices here. Like, where do I even begin in taking care of myself? So I think that was kind of the trigger, um, alongside the beginning, uh, the beginning of the end of a lot of my grandmother's, um, health issues, which I've been banned from my family (laughs) to, to speak about, um, until later on we'll get there. And then I think this summer, um, what what was it that really exacerbated things? Honestly, I, I think my long-distance relationship has a lot to do with what it kind of set me off. Um, and again, with, with familial health problems. But I mention these triggers because for people who suffer from anxiety, things trigger you and, it, and you spiral and then 
it kind of goes away. But in my experience, what happens at the beginning of like, and I don't know what to call it, an anxious black hole. Um, I don't want to call it a nervous breakdown because that's not what this is. And I think people like throw kind of that idea around too much. Um, but, but what happens here is these triggers happen and then it just opens the floodgates to everything else that has been simmering in inside, in my guts. And it feels like doomsday because all of these things that have been compartmentalized and organized and labeled and put into their respective boxes, um, it's, it's like everything just kind of falls on the floor, right? Like all the marbles mixed together and I need to start from square one and sorting them out again. I don't actually have to start from square one because I've done a lot of self work, but that's how it feels. My mom has always used this image of the cat in the hat. I don't know if you guys remember the cat in the hat, but there's this illustration of the cat in the hat balancing on a ball and balancing like various spinning plates in the air. And my mom always used this image to illustrate how she felt about balancing motherhood and a career. You know, like that idea of having it all. I use that image to illustrate what it feels like to keep my life together as somebody who suffers from anxiety and anxiety as a result of attention deficit disorder and depression that I don't know was pre-existent or exists as a result of entirely different things that exacerbates the anxiety and the anxiety exacerbates the depression. But I think that's what happened this past time around is that like all of my plates fell. I slipped and I fell off the ball and all of the plates came crashing down with me. Something I think that people also don't talk about enough is how difficult it is to take care of yourself. And again, this is something that definitely varies depending on who you are and the resources that you have available to you and how stable you feel. But as with that, you know, cat in the hat image and the plates falling, like keeping all of those plates in the air is really hard. When I spiral out, when my anxiety takes me over and gets the best of me, I always just think, how are so many people capable of managing their physical and their emotional health? All of the things that are incorporated into that exercise, sunlight, not too much time on technology, eating healthy, supplements, etc. Like they do all of that. And they also excel at work and they also maintain an active social life and they also uh, have hobbies and they also, you know, call everyone back and email everyone back when they need to. And some of them also have children and can show up to be good partners in relationships. It's like my eyes bulge out of my head when I think about that. I'm like, how do people do this every day, every week, every month, every year, and keep going? Something that I expressed to my psychiatrist when she and I first met is that 
taking care of myself, like just on a base level, feels so hard that oftentimes there is not room for me at the end of the day to think about anything else, to do anything else. Like think about the time commitment, first of all, but also just like mentally. When you spend the whole day trying to mentally keep yourself out of this like pit, this vortex that keeps threatening to suck you in, like where you you don't have the, the mental capacity to be the best version of yourself in any other way, if you're just constantly trying to be the best version of yourself for you, maybe people crumble under the weight of the pressure and just don't talk about it because they don't also want to be seen as failures or as weak or they feel like they have something to prove. But if there is anyone listening to this who feels like they are able to keep all of these plates spinning and give 100% to all of it, or at least like 90%, please share your wisdom. What's hard about this episode is that I feel like every time I have gone solo, I've talked about something that kind of has a solution. Like I talked about the experience with Barstool, which was very painful, but the solution was that I kind of aired out my dirty laundry, the articles came out, and the world moved on, for better or for worse. I talked about my abortion. Those feelings were very complicated. They certainly were not black and white. It was deeply emotional. But I had the procedure and I moved on with my life. Same thing with my, the telling of my sorority stories, my ex-past life as a sorority girl. I went through this thing, but it happened so many years ago that I was able to move on. Whereas anxiety, for as long as I can remember, has functioned as the nucleus of my existence, which is a blessing and a curse, right? Because waking up every single morning with heart palpitations Before my eyes are even fully open, my body enters a state of panic, panic. And that is, when I learn how to channel it correctly, what launches me out of bed in the morning. What gives me that sense of, is inertia the right word or is inertia when you slow down? No, inertia is I think when you keep things going. Can you tell I got F's in science in school? Also, that zazz definitely just hit me. This feels like a good time to try, like, I don't know, maybe two more. I can't hang as well as a Gen Zers can, but listen, I'm not 30 yet. Anyway, ooh. So when I'm good, quote unquote good, because what does it mean to be good? When I'm in a good headspace, I am able to channel those heart palpitations and that extreme need to, like, keep up with my mind, through my body, like I can channel that into the work that I do. I am so down to, to, (laughs) I'm like the opposite of risk averse. You know what I mean? Like I'm so risk welcoming, whether it is through making my videos or self-producing this podcast, digging into all of these weird topics or, you know, writing about shit behind the scenes that no one really wants to talk about or like whatever it is, I find ways to channel that productively. And my 
my cloak of anxiety, my cloak of kind of like manic feelings, you know, I think the anxiety and the ADD go hand in hand in a lot of ways. Those manic feelings are what like allowed me to go into a Trump rally across the country and just insert myself into the middle of it and be like, whoop, this is normal. Like there are so many things that I look back on and I'm like, holy shit, bitch, like that is not normal. Like your lack of considering the consequences of this or potential danger ain't normal. But if it's for the larger purpose of like uncovering information or enlightening people or going places that people are too scared to, whether that's through physical actions or just conversation like that, that's the light at the end of the tunnel right? It took me a long time to see that as, as a blessing um, and to realize that I did have a way to productively channel my energy. On the flip side, though, you can imagine how difficult it is to come to consciousness with heart palpitations and fight through that and fight through the domino brain, you know, all the dominoes falling one by one of thinking about all of the things I need to do, all of the things I haven't done, all of the things I haven't accomplished, how shitty I feel, how hard it is to take care of myself, how many steps are involved in my fucking self-care routine, how annoying it is that so many people will never experience the depths of, of mental health issues that I have and won't understand me and how annoying it is that my boyfriend lives far away and how I'm not sure, even at the age that I am, that I'm really ready to be living without my parents. It's like, Every single insecurity I've ever had, even if it's not something that is actively playing a role in my life, every insecurity I've ever had like comes to the forefront. And I just drown. And that follows me all day, all day, unless I sedate myself with medication. Because let's not lie, like I have been very vocal about how much I love clonopin. Like, I'm a benzo baby. Benzos are fantastic. It is no wonder that people get addicted to them so easily. That being said, when you take it, you are fully sedating yourself. You're not getting strapped to a stretcher and a straitjacket and like injected with something, but you're taking something that, oh, the fucking burp, even in a serious episode, it always has to come out. You're taking something that dulls you that that pumps the brakes but also like scrambles the eggs in your brain in my experience benzos make life easier but they make life easier because i become a different person so much of who i am is tied to my exuberance my curiosity my feelings of wanting it all and wanting it now like as i said that that drives me when used correctly when i take medication i feel great but i'm not me i'm like a chiller who is unaffected by everything no matter how shitty and like yeah have i daydreamed about being that person a thousand times over, especially when I was going to school in Southern California, absolutely. But that's not me. That's an alter ego. And the same thing applies when I have to take medication to 
curb, calm, I don't know what the appropriate word is, my ADD. What a godsend that medication works for me, that there's actually something I can do about my brain that when left to its own devices feels uncontrollable, feels like a five-lane highway with cars swerving in and out of each highway at 120 miles per hour. There's something that can fix that. But that person also isn't me. I don't quite become like a surfer dude chiller when I take Concerta. Quite the opposite. I get sucked into like a black hole of productivity where nothing like matters except for what's in front of me. And my mouth gets dry and my jaw clenches and like my skin gets dry and I just, my emotions get dulled. I have never been shy about how much I love pills because of how much they've helped me. But I also think that we like to glamorize pills as a society and not talk about the shitty side effects that come with them. And how crazy do you think I must feel to, at 29 years old, have to be like, Oh, like, sorry, I can't drink coffee because it makes me out of control. Like, what? am I seven? Like, am I a seven-year-old who, like, stole their mom's cup of coffee? Like, what, what, like, what do I mean I can't have coffee? But I can't have coffee. I love coffee. But coffee is a trigger. I hate that word. It's a trigger. Same thing with alcohol. You think I don't love wine You think I don't love brown liquor? You think I don't love tequila? You don't think I love alcohol? Of course I do. But it fucks me up. Coupled with the medication, I get like wasted after two drinks and I am five foot ten. If I don't have medication in my system, alcohol can send me into a deep, dark spiral of self-loathing and thinking about things that I did six years ago or ways in which I fucked up six years ago or life choices that I could have, you know, made differently. It's like something out of Black Mirror. It's like the computer shows you all the alternative life paths you could have taken. And that leads me to another point that what's what can be so isolating about anxiety, like I don't want to speak for everybody because everybody is very different. But I think hopefully some of you will relate to this. Like I am in certain ways so extroverted, right? Like I fucking love people and I love new people. Stranger danger is my thing. And I'm I'm the opposite of risk averse and I'm self-confident. I have things to say. I can hold my own in social situations. But at the same time, Like, I'm also deeply introverted. I so desperately need personal space. All of my hobbies are things that really don't involve socialization, reading, movies, music, theater. You know how many times I've gone alone to the theater? A, because, like, no one my age wants to go with me, but B, because, like, that's an experience that I want to have for myself. Like, nothing feels more indulgent of self-care than me like going to the theater alone um and so there's this push and pull 
of like who I really am. Because there is that extroverted side of me that needs love and care and needs to be explored and indulged. I know I already used that word, but indulged. And there, then there's this part of me that's really like, I don't socially anxious. And sometimes I wonder, well, I don't know if I wonder as much as I know that so much of my ability to like go out onto the street and talk to strangers and sit in this room, you know, lit by ring lights with no windows and talk to myself for an hour and, um, you know, engaging with you guys on Instagram, like being on sound stages when I'm working as a host, these, like I, I'm capable of doing that, but I kind of leave my body when I do. Like the reason I'm good at those things is because I'm not doing them as me. And so as a result, it throughout my whole life has been very difficult to be taken seriously for my mental health issues and my weaknesses. I, those aren't things that show. There's this idea that anxious people are the ones who are quiet, the ones who, uh, you know, like sit in the corner or can't make eye contact or turn down invitations to hang out, um, you know, who are neurotic, constantly washing their hands, showing up to the airport three hours early. I don't know. Like, are those good examples? I basically just described my mother. Um, but yeah, like, I think that there's this idea that anxiety is, is this visual, tangible thing. And I didn't sit down in the studio today thinking, I want to come to some grand conclusion, you know, about how to deal with it. Or I have amazing advice for you guys. I mean, I spent how many years in wellness and I came out with amazing stories, but I don't know that it actually gave me any answers. It's like the only thing that ever made me feel well was finding a sense of purpose, finding a sense of like something that mattered enough to me for me to pursue it, even if I was feeling shitty. And a lot of the times the thing that I'm pursuing is terrible for my anxiety I work in a field where the success rate is so slim. I'm a one woman show in terms of like the operation of this podcast and all of my content, hence why I'm constantly burning out. I'm terrible at posting consistent content on socials. I, I, I wish I could have, you know, been like, wow, because my passion is books, I really want to be a librarian or I really want to like, you know, teach children or something that didn't require like so much masochism. So I don't have amazing answers. I have things that I can share that I do that make it better. But I think ultimately what's going to make it better for the long haul is us just being honest about it. And when I say us, look, this episode is very much inclusive of, of anybody who feels as though they suffer from anxiety. But I'm trying to address that group of people who maybe get a little bit frustrated when they see how many people are like identifying as anxious but it goes away with like a hot cup of tea and a weighted blanket there are a lot of us where we feel as though we've tried absolutely everything and nothing works who even though they don't want to be are very much defined by their mental health issues.
I don't want to be someone who's branded by their struggles. I think that's what bothered me so much about my former brand in my last show is that it was so driven by the ways in which I was suffering. There are people who are suffering 7,000 times harder and worse than I am. And those are the people who should be given a platform. But for better or for worse, no matter what I do, I still wake up every morning and feel like shit. But with age, I have become more comfortable saying to myself and to others, this is who I am. And look, it's imperfect. It's flawed. It's annoying. It's a lot. It's complicated. It's a little schizo. But it's who I am. And those of you who fuck with it, like, let's ride. And those of you who don't, there's no love lost because not everybody can be for everyone. So because I feel so disoriented and discombobulated, I decided that for the first time in my life, it would be wise to turn to spirituality and get my tarot cards read. So Anna Tonk and I have been friends online for many years, ever since my deep wellness days. And I decided to invite her into the studio to tell me a little bit about what my future holds, or at least what the cards hold. And hopefully you guys will get something out of this reading as well. Here we go. So the strength is, is a major, the lovers is a major, the tower is a major. Okay, so I have three major you, cards. So you already of, have three majors <laughs> in a five card spread. So, wow. you know, like the fact that I think also too, like I wouldn't be shocked if you don't see that there's going to be a lot of transformation within your career. But I feel like based on what you were saying, like this tracks, it makes sense. Like you, I think you have done a lot of the, um, you know, like you've done a lot of the bullshit of, you know, trying it on who knows, you know, like, okay, I'll give it a whirl or I'll take the meeting, you know, like you've done it. And now you're like, yeah, no, I don't want it. Or that's not for, you know, like, so I think it, you can, like, what's beautiful about seeing strength is it's like, you now can start to take all the different energies you have available to you and all your different like, kind of like energetic resources. You can use your creativity. Um, you can use your sexuality. You can use all these things to direct it where you want it to go, you know? So it does put you in this position, I think, to really start like seeing yourself, you know, transform. Yeah. It's very transformational energy, but it's also very tied to integrity. So the more I would say that you like, even if it's not the popular choice or even if it's not, which I don't really think I, I mean, have to tell you, you know, like you yeah. recorded an episode about abortion, exactly. you know, like I've you're not afraid. The popular choice yeah. Ever. Like you're exactly that. It's like you, you very innately have an understanding of this energy. I think it's very much like who you are. I'm sure it's something you get feedback a lot of where people are like, oh my God, I would never do that. Yeah. Or I couldn't, you know, how You're do so you, brave. It, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how do you channel that into your career? You know, like how do you, or maybe I think you probably have channeled a lot. How do you allow yourself maybe to receive it as well? The people who are like, 
I get what you're about. I, and I see you for you. Like, what do we do with this? How do we make something happen or whatever? I think you are really capable of doing a lot for yourself. But what would happen if you really trusted and then maybe only allowed people in that supported it? I think you probably too are due for like some vision crafting. If someone could wave a magic wand, what do I want? I think it's like when you were younger, you just had this like hunger of like, I just want to work. I just want to do, I just want to, you know, create whatever. And now you're like, I'm not so work slutty. Yeah. You know, like I've refined it. How can you push, I think, your own self-doubt a little further about if you're like, I would love to return to acting and be a series regular on an HBO show. And you're like, you know what? That's crazy. You've never even been called in for HBO. That's not the exercise. You know, the the exercise is like, what do I dream and, and want for myself? Yeah. Another thing I always tell people to do, um, I'm very big on giving homework. Nerd for life. I love homework. I need it. I need the uh, the discipline. You need to write down I tell people three to five. I feel like you might be able to do be one of my people who I tell to do five to ten. Write down three to five things you believe to be magical about yourself and then ask yourself, like, are you protecting those things in the decisions you're making? So this yeah. comes up a lot for people. I would say for women, it comes up a lot in love where they really want to find love, really want to find a partner. And I'm like, and I'll say, write down five things you believe to be magical. And they're like, "Mm, no. mm." Or like, oh, that's going to be so hard for me. And I'm like, "Mm -hmm." yeah, that's part of it. And then I'll be like, you're only allowed to date people who would agree with those things. Yeah. And they're like, good. And I'm like, I know. Like, name things you like about yourself and then hold people to that standard. Like, crazy. I know. Barf. But like. I'm so happy you're bringing this up, though, because I actually was very recently thinking about how I do need to start vision boarding or making lists or just bringing more specificity into my life. I actually did that leading up to the relationship that I'm in now. I was making a lot of the same mistakes over and over and over again through the past four years of being single, but also like way before that, too, pretty much since I was 20, of dating the same type of person. Person wanting something from them that they were not able to give to me and thinking that every time I got into a new situation like this, somehow the result would be different. Yeah. And I think that because I have so many different shades and colors and quite honestly, like sides of my personality, um, I'm a little like schizo without being <laughs> schizo. Um, I was dating so many different types of people because I had something in common with all of them. Mm. And I had to reach the point of realizing that while that that is a tremendous asset for my career and for the type of work that I've been doing. I, I can't just date whoever and expect it to really be able to nurture who I am underneath all of my interests, mm. underneath my shape-shifting capabilities. So kind of, I want to say maybe in like September, I really started getting specific about what am I looking for in a partner? And I don't mean what does he do for work or how much money does he make or is he Jewish or where is he from? I mean, like, how does he hold space in a room? How does he make me feel? How does he respond when we're fighting? What is his communication style? Is he verbal? Things like that. And I came up with such a specific list and forced myself to go more specific and more specific and more specific 
And having that actually got me out of a few potentially toxic situations that I was faced with. And then in the beginning of November, I met my boyfriend and he was pretty much everything that I had written down. But the second half of that was also allowing myself to receive that. Yeah. So I say all of this because I went through that exercise of learning how to be, you know, specific and discerning within my romantic life. But I do think, as you mentioned, because I have so many interests and because I've tried so many things, I have not brought that specificity into the envisioning that I have for my career. Well, you probably also feel um, out of control, you know? Yeah. Like um, with work, I think it can feel a bit um, tricky because you're like... I mean, I want this, you know. Um, I'm in a writing group, and I the we do a community led circle, and um, lady, and this isn't like their thing, but they had us go through the exercise of doing harvesting, composting, seeding. What were we harvesting? Learning the lesson. It's an accomplishment. We're harvesting it. It's off the plate. We're like kind of acknowledging it, clearing it, um, composting. Uh, releasing dreams that died, um, things that didn't come to fruition, maybe things, uh, creations that didn't find their way, um, maybe things that need something or whatever, and then seeding, like whatever you want, you know, whatever seeds you're planting. I found that a super... That's awesome. You know, like I I knew there was the harvesting. I knew I was going to get wrong that I was like... My brain won't let me relax or no peace until I look at my notebook and get the exact word. I'm like, you could try to explain this to her and I'm pretty sure she'd get it. And I'm like, "Mm mm-mm. No, but those are amazing. That's an amazing visual. Yeah. I think you're due for that. Yes, I definitely am. I don't think you're that confused. I think you just have it. I think you just need to sit with a notebook. Yes. And and just like declutter your mind. Yes. And then you I think you also will just feel better. Like, oh, I want um there's so many things I think that you are good at, but I think it is for you. How do you bolster your, I think, true dreams? It's like you could do a million things. Like you're incredible. Oh, my God. Your interviews. Oh, my God. Thank and you. It, what was it the Gulf Shore? Yeah. And I'm from Georgia. I know those people. Yeah. Those are my people. I know you're born and raised in New, York, yeah. New Yorker and Jewish. Like yeah. they don't, I mean, not a ton of Jewish people in the right. South. Right. And I was dying. The guy who's asleep on the beach. And you're like, babe, that one video, (laughs) that one video where I was interviewing someone who couldn't even respond, (laughs) got me a job. Someone saw that video and they were like, we want to hire you as a host. I went, that wasn't an interview. He was unconscious. And they were like, yeah, but it was great. I was like, okay. But it is so, and I think it speaks so highly to you, but I feel like you could do that a million times but it wouldn't be fulfilling yeah but if you got to say like like I feel like you would be incredible at just sort of like I want to go places and like interview people you know like I mean it's and sometimes I think we all overthink like pitches or whatever but like I think it is really I think you have to really position yourself like as the talent Yes, you you really nailed it because there is that push and pull for me. You know, I went on this three-week road trip around Southern America (laughs) just before my birthday, my 28th birthday, and I'm sitting on so much content that I just, like, need to find the time and space to really get out. Um, And then recently I went to Daytona Bike Week. (laughs) 
And <laughs> yes, this is me searching for myself in all the wrong places. I love it. Um, but something I was dealing with there was like, I do have this extremely strong instinct to be a journalist. I am fascinated by telling other people's stories, immersing myself in these environments that are very foreign to me, learning new things, figuring out the best way to send those mes- messages to the widest possible audience, ideally of people who are not like from the same background as the people that they're observing in my videos or through my writing. But I do also simultaneously have this tremendous pull to be a performer and to make people laugh and to tell my own stories. And I think something that I've been struggling with for years, especially throughout various uh, iterations of like management and having agents is getting pushed too far in one direction of continue with the journalism, continue with the journalism. And I love doing that so much, but if I am not supplementing it with my own stories of my extremely like uncommon and strange life, I do not feel fulfilled. And I don't know if that's a narcissism or if it's just this feeling of like all of these crazy things have happened to me for the purpose of me sharing these stories but I think that my kind of resistance to sitting down and writing that that goals and manifestations list is finding the equilibrium between telling other people's stories and telling my own because I feel an equal pull I think the answer is both which the advice is the lover so I I have like double faith in that I think it's both but I think it's both I think the answer is I think I mean I don't I don't know where you're at and wanting to hear this but I think a big answer for you is like I don't think anyone's going to give you your opportunity. You're going to create it. hundred percent. Which I think that you're was the hardest lesson yeah. for me to learn. No, I'm happy that you said that because that was the hardest lesson to learn. I mean, I have gone for a screen test at every major network. I've met yeah. everybody. I've been optioned for a million things. I Doesn't don't fit in me. anywhere. I, I do yeah. not fit in anywhere. They're like, she's too edgy for this. She's too white for this. She's a woman. She's from New York. She's Jewish. X, Y, Z. It's never been the perfect fit. And I think all of that rejection, if we're being honest, yeah. has piled and piled and piled. And like has... feedback. Oh, yeah. And and people trying to shape me into so what like, they okay, think cool. I so I'll do should this. be. Will you like this? And right. they're like, mm. And I went through so much of that, which I think everybody goes through yeah. throughout their 20s. But like I was doing that with entertainment industry executives and like well, authority figures, which was You were also doing it with a really clear sense of where you wanted to succeed. Yeah. All of us go through rejection. All of us go through that. But like not all us go through it when we really know what we want right right <laughs> you know it's like yeah I, I think that that changes things so your obstacles the ace of wands I think that this it's funny because it's like sometimes I wish that I could like beam somebody just into my brain to be like it's a vibe and I can see it but I'm like <laughs> but okay I need you to understand it too I'm like just get in here um I think the frustration is I think this could either be one of two things. Either you're like waiting for like the perfect idea or you're burnt out. You know, like it's a little of the two. Either you know it kind of needs to come from you and you're like, but I don't got nothing. Like no gas in the tank, which is fine. I mean, we've been in an 800 year pandemic. Like it's (laughs) it's just I I mean, I, I keep being like, you know, like. I didn't even have COVID and feel so dumb, you know, like what if you just like have existed during this time? Like, yeah. can you feel like you lost 
you know, 20 IQ points, yeah, you know? Yeah. So I think you could just be, I think that you do, I think some of your maybe career frustration on you um, is more like, you know, like, you know how it needs to go and you know it's not where you are. Yeah. Like, you know you have to be fully behind it. Like, I think you know... I don't think you're really halfway about anything. So I think you know that you've got to be like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. This is going to be my new idea that I'm going to da 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 And like, that's what it is. And then we'll reevaluate in six months or right. whatever. And I think you're annoyed because you, you don't know what that thing yeah, is. Yeah, right I'm extremely now. pissed off. I'm also pissed off about the fact that, like, as you, I knew it was a good idea to bring you in here, <laughs> are just like so on the money about is like, I am at this point now where I feel as though I have the whole world at my feet, but I have to do everything no one is giving me shit you know yeah, what i mean i fully believe that no one is putting me in a project no one is scouting me on the street like julia fox and like putting me in a movie nobody is is seeing me and going like oh yeah it's her for a lot of reasons i'm also i think through the past couple of years of auditioning have become hyper aware of the fact that like just based on face value like pretty white girl what like no one wants that like yeah. that's not interesting and like i have a lot to you're say you're like i missed my window right I, did. When I, could, like, I know it's like if I had done this when I was 22 just coming out of college maybe I, I could have gotten on the CW was listening to your episode with um, another Anna I think I don't know if she's I can't remember if she's Heron, Anna the model. Anna. yeah the mm -hmm. model and I love also to like I'm glad that you talk about like like using your appearance and stuff and I think for you it's probably been so confusing that you're like all right y'all think I'm hot but like doesn't seem to do anything for me mm -hmm. just like the digital popularity right it's like we're sold all this stuff like this will do it this will like whatever that is you know and it's like does not appear that it works that way. Right. And I've had people who have tried to push me further into like the hot Instagram girl department. I dabbled in model for modeling for a little bit. And then there are the people who have tried to push me further into the like uber edgy kind of like sexual sex commentator, mm -hmm. subculture commentator kind of thing. There have been plenty of people who have told me that I need to quote unquote clean up my image and I need to be like softer and more like appealing to middle America. I mean, every kind of feedback you can imagine I've gotten. And then <laughs> I think getting that coupled with the fact that I, for the overwhelming majority of my entire life, have been having an identity crisis because I am so many things and also because and this was one of the first things that I actually said to my boyfriend when we met. I was like, I don't belong in my body. I don't. The person that I identify as underneath my exterior is like very different than the type of person somebody assumes that I am just based on face value. Yeah. And I, I believe that. And I also think no one probably wants to hear that. No, nobody does. Whenever, no one has any sympathy for that whatsoever. You know, but and it's it's like... They don't understand, like, identity's identity's identity, you know? And, and it's, it is harder for you to figure out what is your identity, you know, what is your working identity or whatever, whatever form of your identity. Um, when you're a canvas, people really want to project onto and make assumptions about. Yeah. And be like, I also think a lot of people, um, 
want to assume if you have certain privileges or things that like you don't have problems Mm -hmm. and it's like that's not really how that works yeah you know that it's like everybody you know you may have advantages or like maybe maybe you get someone's attention but like it doesn't mean you get their respect and it doesn't mean, yeah. you know, like it opened doors. And you totally just nailed it. I like can't stop thinking about this. You were like, okay, like you guys think I'm hot. So what? It hasn't done anything. And that's really how I feel is that yeah. the one big benefit to it has been that it has allowed me to dive seamlessly into many different communities, many different countries, yes. many different conversations. I mean, people let me in. I could 100% That's see that. That's the one benefit that I've yeah. gotten from it. And that is why my path has gone from saying, I'm going to go to acting school. I'm going to try to be on a TV show. I'm just going to be an actor who shows up for her job Mm -hmm. to becoming this weird gonzo journalist looking for a place to fit in and wanting to tell the stories of other misfits in the process because the one thing whether personal or career-wise that I have gotten from let's call it pretty privilege is the fact that I can fit into this myriad of environments yeah that's really been the one thing and from that I've I've gained a lot of stories but another thing that you said very acutely was like People don't really want to hear like, oh, I'm privileged and I'm still suffering. It's like the Bella Hadid Vogue cover where she's like, I'm depressed and I'm anxious and I got my nose done when I was 14. People are like, who cares? So figuring out like, how do I tell this story in a way that is not a series of privileged girl complaints, but rather a relatable story about having like a complete lack of identity? Yeah. Well, also like, does privilege replace expiration? I don't think it does. No, I don't think it does and, either. And I don't think privilege prevents, you know, or pr- privilege doesn't mean no pain. And I do think people just want to get like so dismissive. Yeah. And I don't know if that's social media. I don't know if it's also social justice. I don't know, but there's this real increase. And it's like, if you have things that people covet or you have these certain things, then it's like, you don't, you don't have problems. You don't, you know, it's like, I don't know. I just don't think it's helping anybody. So then advice is the lovers. Not always about romantic love, but it's a lot about are you partnering with what you do love? And it's also inviting you to further integrate yourself and do from a loving place. I think of this a lot of times of it's inviting us to take aspects of ourselves we don't understand and realize like, we don't have to stamp those things out that the only way we really come into integration and the only way we really come into balance is folding it all in and going like, I don't really get that part of myself, but like it exists. So I think for you, it's like you want to tell your stories and you want to tell other people's like you want to be kind of a woman of the people and you also want to be, you know, a woman with your own agency. Like, I think for you, it's a lot of that. Literally, the lovers is the card for Gemini. Like, it's a lot of that duality. It's a lot of that. I think the answer for you consistently is you're both. You're both, you're both, you're both. So, but if you approach it from I am both, that helps you solve the problems a lot differently versus thinking you have to choose one or the other. Yeah. I also think you're shifting out of chaotic energy yeah. and moving into <laughs> harmonious. 
busted. Yes. I mean, yes. I came in looking like a party boy, like ski patrol yes. person. So like <laughs> agent of chaos, like represent, you know, like no, I was deeply chaotic for a really long time. I was like the before I was the princess of taboo, I was the princess of chaos. Yeah. We just managed to rebrand it into something. Kind I of think similar. a lot of smart, complex women are, to be honest, because you're just like, there's not a lot of direction of how to be like there just isn't, you know, so you become chaotic. Yes. <laughs> you know, yes. Dang, I really do. It's a little working theory. And then your transitional energy is the tower reverse. The tower, um, the tower is like big changes that come to, and kind of devastation <laughs> that comes to wipe out whatever was built on foundations of false self-belief. So basically anywhere in your life you've settled, it's going to go, you know, anywhere that you took that, like just cause it's all you thought you were worth or whatever, so I think in so many ways, like career-wise, it's like this era of you just sort of being like, okay, maybe I'll make it work or let me see, you know, like, not that I think you were ever like desperate or, you know, but I think you've been like, put me in coach. Like you've just been down to clown. Like you just wanted a chance, you know? So I think that probably made you do a lot of stuff that you were like, this probably isn't going to work or yeah. this, you, but let me see. And it's like, you can fully leave that behind now. That resonates. Getting really clear what is your opportunity versus what's just opportunity. And you can be like, thank you to the opportunity gods, but this one's not for me. Right. And I had so many years of seizing every possible opportunity. And that gave me miles and miles of content and stories to tell. And I'm so yes. happy I did it. I mean, I have squeezed every bit of juice out of the lemon that was my 20s. And I'm excited for this one more to come. But I'm so on that wave of I don't need to be doing things just for the sake of doing them anymore. You, you really don't. Meeting people just for the sake of meeting them. Yeah. Saying yes just for the sake of saying yes. Like I'm really into this new vibe of like being discerning. And then the energy you're moving into is the five of wands, which I'll be honest is like a little um, uh, confrontational, you know, but it's really you learning how to stick, stick, stand up for yourself. It's you really sticking to boundaries. It's, it's also like a little bit of a chaos or upset that can like be necessary to reorder things. So it could even you be like, you being like, I don't for now, like I'm going to table acting, but I'm going, it's like, I'm going to table this, but I'm going to do, it, it could, you could feel a bit like you're, you know, like you're shaking the, the tablecloth. Yeah. But really it's cause like you you want to set a different table. So see, not so scary. No, not scary, but we definitely got some intense cards in that poll. You, you did. Well, I'm an intense gal. That's what <laughs> happens. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not. Like, and I also think when people are a little intense and like not afraid, like that are like, give it to me, you know, like they're like, all right, we will. Fair enough. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Thank you for seeing and hearing and feeling and loving me. I'll see you and hear from you next week. And until then, be good. <laughs>